Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Index on the Anfield Index Podcast Network. I am your host, Matt Topolsky, and joining me this week on the program is a longtime friend of mine, childhood friend, actually, so it's exciting to have him on the show with me, and of course, professional wrestling fan, and the first ever co-commentating colleague of mine, and we'll get into that in a minute, Kyle Pheasant. Kyle, welcome to the Pro Wrestling Index. Well, thank you, Matt. And and we've actually come full circle. I don't know if you remember this, but it was about uh, five years ago I interviewed you for the online school that I was working for. So I actually did a podcast uh, before podcasting was even cool, and you were my guest. Wow. So that's pretty pretty awesome to come full circle like this. You're such a trailblazer. Absolutely. <laughs> I used such an advanced uh, po- podcasting technique back then. So wait a minute. So I, because I don't really remember this. So did you actually do a podcast with me, or so do you? You interviewed me and recorded it, or you? What did you do? Because um, I don't. Remember. I I basically did an online version of Career Day. Uh, you probably know what Career Day is. Yes. It's uh, when a bunch of people come in and talk about their jobs, and you're supposed to get excited about it when you're in high school. Okay. It usually is pretty boring, but so I did an online version of this, and I got some. Some pretty interesting guests like yourself. I got. I think I got like a neurosurgeon. I got like a leading uh, DJ from the Baltimore area. Uh, but by far, by far, the highest highest uh, listenership was definitely your interview. Absolutely. Oh, well, there's no question about that. And uh, and thank you, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> uh, we got a good show planned tonight, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening and for tuning in. A lot is going on in the world of sports and entertainment, and obviously Kyle is um, is a big fan of the world of sports and entertainment. First of all, how do you feel about that? Does it bother you that WWE calls pro wrestling sports entertainment? Are you one of those people that are bothered by that, or could you care less? You know, it bothers me a lot right now because there's really two different schools of thought in WWE. It seems like on the NXT product, um, I, I remember during the takeover special, or I think it was during the takeover special, the word wrestling was used at least a half dozen times, both from commentators and the superstars. Shout out or to Rich re- Brennan for, for putting over wrestling. Yeah, Rich said wrestling a couple times. So so if Vince is so anti the word wrestling, then how 
how was it said so much during this pay-per-view? But then you get to Raw, and and it's not said so much. You don't hear the word wrestling. You might hear it from Kevin Owens, because uh, that's kind of his gimmick, a uh, big tubby wrestler who's kind of a bully. Uh, but you don't hear it as much on the Raw product. So I'm, I'm a little confused right now. I think they need to decide, are they divas or are they women? Is it wrestling or is it sports entertainment? Um, I, I'd prefer to go back to wrestling because I think that's what guys talk about at the water cooler. You know, you talk about, did you watch wrestling last night? Nobody says, did you watch sports entertainment last night? So I think they should just go back to wrestling. Vince needs to get over it. Um, you know, ESPN has the word entertainment in their name, but it's pretty clear they're all about sports mostly. So, you know, they can do entertainment, but they can talk about wrestling too. Don't you think that they're two different brands though? Don't you think at this point, I mean, I I know the WWE obviously finances NXT, but, but when you look at them, I mean, that it's almost, you almost, if if, it, let's say that you were an alien and you were visiting uh, the world for the first time. And somebody sat you down and you watched Monday Night Raw and then you watched NXT. There's no way that you could tell they were produced by the same company, right? This is this is pretty true. Even the NXT special in uh, in whatever the arena is in Brooklyn, I forget what it's called, uh, the Barclays oh, the Center. Barclays Center, yeah. That that even though even though they used the WWE technology, it still looked different. They did something different about the production value. Uh, so I, I agree. Uh, I would, I, I feel like, you know, in a way NXT is more like a, and I know I don't really watch, I, I don't know much about Lucha underground, but it's kind of like WWE's Lucha underground. Um, so it, it is much different and it's refreshing and it, it just frustrates me so much that they can do something so well. Um, and then something so poorly. And I'm sure we'll talk about that throughout this show. Well, yeah, and you know, it's it's it's. I'm glad you brought that up because it's been a fascinating conversation that's been going on on on, on the index for gosh, at least a month. And Brad Gilmore and I have talked about it in my other podcast. Your opinion doesn't matter at opinionpodcast.com, by the way, um, for anyone who hasn't listened to it before. We've talked about it a lot, and it's it's fascinating because you you really wonder like how can um, this company produce a product that wrestling fans absolutely love and adore, and then you have Monday Night Raw, which is just quite honestly, um, God, it's it's the cable version of Ambient. Like you put this <laughs> on, and it's like, and the next thing you know, you wake up and it's the next day. It's like I, I've stopped taking Zequil. If I have to go to bed, I uh, I got to get up in the morning. I just put on the DVR version of Monday Night Raw. So. I mean, and I, I haven't seen the ratings numbers from this past week, but I do know that for about the third consecutive week, I did not watch Monday Night Raw. The other fascinating thing is and so, some of the folks that would defend WWE on this position have said that NXT is a brand for talent that cannot get over with a mainstream audience, and they used examples like Emma um, as an example of that. Uh, what would you say regarding that? Do you think that there's any validity to that, or do you think that um, – that they just haven't been given a chance on WWE programming. You know, that's really interesting. And, and this kind of led me down another road. Um, if NXT is going to be this place for the, the all-stars of the Indies, then, then is NXT really the best brand name? Uh, because if they're going to bring in guys like James Storm, I, I mean, James Storm is, I believe, in his late 30s. So to refer to him as the next generation... That kind of doesn't seem accurate. So 
you know, I, I know the NXT brand is hot right now, but it is what they're going for truly the next generation of the WWE? Or is it just like the WWE underground? Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if, if anybody has ever thought, do we need to change, change the name? And I, I know nobody talks about that. I think, uh, you know, it'd be pretty controversial with a lot of hardcore fans who, who love NXT, but, but is it truly the next generation right now? Cause, cause Finn, Finn Balor, you know, Fergal Devitt, whatever you want to call him. He talks about how he doesn't want to be on the main roster. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't blame him. I mean, I, I, I look at guys like Adrian Neville, the, the man who WWE forgot his first name. They call him the man who gravity forgot, but really, you know, they forgot his <laughs> first name. Um, I, he shouldn't be on the main roster, not because I don't think he deserves it. I think he's better off on NXT. And if I were Adrian Neville, I'd ask to go back. I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to, you know, uh, throw out too much inside baseball here, but I, I, I know – uh, for a fact that Adrian Neville is being paid the same amount of money working on Raws as he does at NXT. So wow. the only difference is is that Adrian Neville is working more dates and is on the road more and is earning basically the same amount of money under the same contract and is uh, working pre-shows on special events or pay-per-views or whatever they're called now. And his character is, is I mean, listen, we all know that guys that are not body guys or that don't have tremendous size have a glass ceiling on WWE, on the main roster. It's just it's just a fact, which is why I've argued time and time again there should be weight classes on the product. But that's a, that's a whole other argument uh, and a whole other discussion that we could have for a long period of time. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I understand it, and I see that. My, my biggest fear is that, uh, that Devitt or uh, Finn Balor, whatever you want to call him, uh, will be moved up to the main roster and will suffer the same fate um, as an Adrian Neville, and that would be that would be a crime because I think this guy has all the tools and the talent to be the biggest star in the industry. I mean, imagine a Finn Balor entrance at a WrestleMania. That alone would get him over as one of the biggest stars in the business. It, it would. I I agree. Uh, the one thing I see in him, though, that I think you know Vince and I probably would agree on is Finn Balor is an introvert. There's there's no question about it. He's a very humble, he's a very quiet man. And can a introvert, uh, somebody who's, you know, 5'8", whatever he weighs, can he get over to a 100,000-seat, you know, arena, say, in Dallas, Texas, during WrestleMania? That's the one concern I have, and I... In, in many senses, I might only I might actually agree with him. Well, I mean, that, he's per, but to be fair, he's performed at the Tokyo Dome before for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I understand it's a different audience, uh, it's a different culture, <laughs> but uh, but he he entertained there and became a um, a, a major international star uh, as a result of his performances there. I mean, the only way to really tell is to to let him to let him have that opportunity. I mean, I, when I look at um, when I look at Fergal Devitt, I see a lot of Jeff Hardy in him, and uh, and Jeff Hardy is an introvert. As well, and and Jeff Hardy for a time was one of the biggest stars in WWE. Um, I think Devitt is more of a complete package than Hardy is. I also think that Devitt isn't as reckless as Jeff Hardy is. Um, but uh, you know, what we we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's definitely um, some validity to you know guys making statements like that uh, that they would rather stay on the uh, on the NXT brand. The other thing that concerns me about it, too, is, you know, you mentioned James Storm. So let's talk about this for a minute because we've had Samoa Joe come in. 
We had Rhino with a brief stint. Mm-hmm. We have James Storm coming in now. It's one thing to have talent uh, that are veteran talent that haven't been in WWE before in some time. You know, Rhino was there for a brief period of time prior to that. Um, to come in and help give a rub to uh, to the new guys. It's quite another thing if you start loading the NXT brand with these these cast-offs, if you will. And, 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 and to be fair... James Storm um, is uh, is a product of TNA, and uh, so to me, you anything that you've accomplished uh, has an asterisk next to it. Um, you know, because it just I mean, my my feelings of TNA have been pretty well documented publicly. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a garbage company um, that has a history of not paying uh, its talent on time, not paying production guys on time. And pissing away tens of millions of dollars uh, in the process. When if they were just if they had just run that company the right way behind the scenes, they would have had an opportunity to compete. Uh, that's not James Storm's fault, but he still comes from a place where they honestly shouldn't even have been on uh, major television to begin with. Uh, so what what do you think about this? I mean, you have these guys coming in from from TNA and from the Indies and other places. It's one thing if they are the new blood. It's quite another thing if they're seasoned veterans that have little to no upside. NXT needs to be careful uh, about that because they could end up um, shoehorning themselves into a place where um, they're they're loaded with these guys that nobody else wants. Yeah, I, I don't really know what they're doing with these guys. And and one thing that kind of a side note that puzzles me is, you know, all these other indie guys come in and they have to change their name or change their pers- persona. But if, for whatever reason, it seems like the TNA guys that come in uh, get to keep their their original uh, ring name, and and that's something that fascinates me a little bit. I'd like to like to learn more about why that is, but but the, we probably don't have enough time to talk about all those little details. Um, I just you know when when uh, Samoa Joe came in, I, I feel like he had a feud with Kevin Owens that didn't really ever it didn't really ever um, materialize. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it there was no conclusion to it because. Owens lost the title and then he came to raw and then Samoa Joe never really finished that out. So that was a little disappointing to me. I was looking forward to that uh, feud. It would have been very, very hard hitting. I think they did have one match, but it kind of ended early if I recall. Um, So Samoa Joe is kind of just floating out there and I I really don't know what they're doing with him. I, I think he, he has a chance that he could succeed on the main roster. Um, you know, there's always room for a, uh, a Samoan style wrestler, you know, that maybe isn't a body guy, uh, that just is, is a hard hitting SOB. And I don't see why, you know, Samoa Joe is just stuck in NXT. I think, I think he could succeed on the main roster with the right, right kind of introduction. Um, but but do you really think that Samoa Joe at this point in his career, has much left to offer WWE uh, on on the main roster on Raw. I mean, on I mean, because let's be honest here. I mean, Samoa Joe, he's one hell of a wrestler, and that's something that, mm-hmm. other than the U.S. Uh, Championship Open Challenge or the U.S. Title Open Challenge, there's not much wrestling featured on Raw. Yeah, uh, actually, you know, he, I, I could see him going toe to toe with Lesnar. I mean. Okay. Uh, you know, there's two guys that aren't very good on the mic and, but they can, they could sure, you know, beat the hell out of each other. And I think that's all people would want to see, you know, Samoa Joe is just, 
he's terrible at promos. I think, um, I haven't seen much of his TNA work, but his, his promos on NXT don't look very good. Uh, but put him in there with uh, Brock Lesnar and just let these guys, you know, really beat the hell out of each other, kind of like uh, Roman Reigns and, and Brock Lesnar did at WrestleMania last year. I, I, I think there's a use for him, uh, not so much with storylines, but more so with, as, as you said, wrestling. Yeah. Well, let's turn the page and talk about the reality era for a minute. Got a couple of key points that uh, we obviously want to cover on the show tonight, and uh, this is one of them. Uh, Recently, the announcement was made by TMZ that Lana and Rusev, once together on screen but together full-time behind the scenes, have decided to get engaged. They are going to make it official. Interestingly enough, Rusev had been in a program against Dolph Ziggler in which Dolph Ziggler was pro-Lana. Lana had been off screen for a couple of weeks because of a broken wrist, which was a separate issue altogether. But Rusev's on-screen love attachment at the time was Summer Rae, who a week before TMZ breaks this news, had proposed to Rusev on the television show. A day after TMZ broke the news, WWE.com released an article of their own in which they stated for us to stay tuned to find out, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, how Lana and Rusev resolved their differences. So on one hand, and and, and as I've discussed on the show before, I feel like WWE.com has two sides. It has the kayfabe side, and then it has the WWE.com journalistic side where it uh, pulls up the curtain. Uh, on the business and discusses the things that are going on backstage. One of the more recent examples of that would be the interview with Seth Rollins and Sting talking about how they enjoyed working with each other um, mm-hmm. and what a you know what a dream it was for Seth Rollins to have that opportunity. Obviously, if you're protecting kayfabe, Seth Rollins never says anything like that because he's a heel. Um, nevertheless, WWE.com posts this article referring to the Rusev-Lana announcement, and it was interesting because – they admit that it is actually taking place, but then at the same time, they pull kayfabe by saying, uh, find out what happened to you know where they settled their differences, buried the hatchet or whatever. They never had any differences unless we're talking about it in a kayfabe standpoint. Um, has the reality era gone, gone too far? I mean, what what is going on and who is making these decisions to where they're going to make this announcement on Raw, which they did? Um, it was talked about several times during Raw. I think it's uh, – me personally, and I'll get your opinion. I think it's convoluted. I think it's stupid of them to do this. I think it confuses the viewers and the audience who are already confused by bad booking to begin with. And then on top of all of it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. What say you about this? Well, I, I have to look back a little further. Uh, I think the issue with this whole storyline – and really the development of Rusev, uh, it really hit a problem when they took away his his support for Russia. Agreed. So all, all of a sudden, one day, he went from being a, uh, a citizen of Russia and supportive of Vladimir Putin, and then he's just back to the Bulgarian brute. It was, it was like an overnight thing. I, I truly think that was dumb, especially now. Uh, there are some U.S.-Russia tensions. Um, but it's not to the point where it would like uh, bring out, you know, racism or anything like that. It's just Russia and U.S. kind of in this little proxy war in, in Syria. So it's a really fascinating, I think, real news story. And if Rusev was still cutting these promos about Russia right now, 
I think that would just take him uh, through the roof. And well, who his, knows? His, his heel heat would be unbelievable. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it would have uh, helped the ratings a little bit. I, I truly don't know if Rusev uh, supporting Russia would affect the ratings, but you never know. You got to try things. So that's where things went off the rails. Um, Lana, you know, there was some talk of her losing the Russian accent and kind of becoming her own entity, but now she's back with Rusev. So it just seems like the writers that are handling this storyline have no idea what's going on. And not only are they hurting the development of Rusev, I feel like the fans have just gotten sick of Dolph Ziggler. I mean, he comes out week after week and he kind of does, you know, he does the same thing week after week and he either gets uh, some sort of victory. Usually he loses uh, and he's kind of like that beloved uh, baby face. But I, I think Dolph Ziggler needs... He needs to become heel again. Uh, his character is getting stale. So I just don't like any of this. Well, the I whole mean, should, the whole shower thing was just a big cluster. To be fair, it was, to be fair though, I mean, Dolph, I mean, Dolph Ziggler. It's again is a product of the booking. Uh, in the same way that I don't blame a lot of the John Cena hate on John Cena, I blame it on the booking. Um, and and you know, with with, with Ziggler, I mean, I thought he had. Um, I, I did. I did watch the matchup between he and Cena since social media seemed pretty positive on it, and it was a great match. I mean, they 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 those two make magic together when they work together. But beyond Ziggler selling really well, I mean, no one in the company sells better than Dolph Ziggler. Beyond that, he's not given an opportunity to flourish, um, uh, and his character isn't given an opportunity to grow in the same way that uh, that Cesaro's character isn't given the opportunity to grow. And I think a lot of that's a product of stopgap booking. I, they, I think the company looks at a guy like Ziggler, unfortunately at this point and says, Dolph Ziggler is a utility guy. He's nothing more, nothing less. He's a guy that we can shift into an upper mid card position, or maybe even a main event program for a short period of time, but he's never going to be the guy. And I think that's, that's what WWE's made its mind up about. For me, though, overall, the danger of the reality era is this. Most of us watch wrestling because of the characters, because of the storylines, and hopefully because of the wrestling. Obviously, we see more of that on NXT. But, I mean, we willingly watch it knowing that these are characters that we're watching, and we accept these characters uh, that sometimes they're not who they are in real life. So it sets an odd precedent to completely change a storyline because real life gets in the way here. I mean, there was no reason for them to change it at all. Just because TMZ reported on it, there have been plenty of things that the media have reported on regarding stuff that has, has happened to pro wrestlers or sports entertainers that WWE hasn't even acknowledged. And, and we can go down the rabbit hole and talk about those things. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. I, I, I think about Seth Rollins right away. I mean, yeah. there's a guy that uh, was on TMZ I mean, WWE.com never talks about Seth Rollins' girlfriend, do they? No, they don't. I mean, why don't they, why don't they talk about the picture? You know, add that to a storyline that he, uh, you know, likes to send people pictures. I mean, if you if you want to be true to the reality era, then you got to include all of that stuff there. You're right. They are speaking out two sides of their mouth. Yeah, I mean, um, they're cherry picking what they want to report on. And, 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 and listen, as a publicly traded company, I understand that and I accept that as a fan. Here's my problem. If you're cherry picking what you're going to report on, why did you cherry pick this? Because it was a bad idea. The rationale behind this idea has real potential to hurt the company. 
Yeah, I don't know what the the rationale is. I'm I'm thinking it's Vince wanting to just draw some attention. You know, I think that's where it comes from. Um, but but along the lines of the reality era, I, I think of something else that I noticed a few people uh, in the IWC uh, sort of took a, exception to all of the the crying in the uh, in the um, Bailey and Sasha Banks match at Takeover. And I, I, I apologize if you've talked about this previously on on any of your podcasts, but you know I, I have mixed feelings about it. What are your thoughts about? Um, it, I mean, it real, really seemed like at times at the start of the match, and definitely at the end, Bailey was completely out of character, just crying. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Does it add to the product or does it take are away? Are you talking about crying is in celebrating? Um, well, at the beginning of the match, I I really sensed she was very. Uh, legitimately emotional and kind of stepped out of her character. Uh, I, listen, and then it, I, I don't here, here's I'm, I'm of two thoughts on this um, because I'm going to bring Charlotte in on this conversation as well, since you asked. And I love, I love Charlotte by the way. So I want to preface it by saying that because I don't want anybody to think that I'm burying Charlotte from what I'm about to say. I understand what you're talking about. I love the fact that these two women are so passionate about professional wrestling and sports entertainment that that moment meant as much as it did to them. And and honestly, it was a huge moment because as far as long as I can ever remember, never in the history of WWE was a main event of a special event or a pay-per-view, special event, I guess what we'll call it now, uh, a 30-minute a, a Ironman match featuring two women. That was, a, that was a historic moment for the company, and those two were a part of it. So they have every right to be emotional, and I, and I applaud them for, the, for their effort because it was a spectacular match. Sometimes, though, the emotion can be overdone. Like, how many more times do I have to? How many more times do I have to see Ric Flair and his daughter crying, celebrating something that has already been celebrated two or three times before that, and they're back in the ring crying together again, or even before Charlotte won the title that Monday night leading up to it when she got fooled with Twin Magic, leading up to the. Um, uh, the stipulation being added to the match that if Nikki uh, Bella was disqualified, she'd still lose the title. She she got cheated out of the victory, and she cried about that. Now, don't play the strong independent woman card, and then on the other side of it, cry when you lose. Charlotte, if you lose because you get screwed, don't cry in the ring with your father. Step through those ropes and go whip some ass. That's what we want to see. And again, I'm, I know that's the that's the product of the writing. It's not the product of Charlotte, but that that the writing is bad. The writing is awful. I mean, I really am starting to believe that the two dozen or more writers that work for WWE are writing what they think Vince wants, as opposed to what would be compelling television. Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the inner workings. You know a lot more than I do. Uh, because of the people you know in the industry, but it does seem like there there are way too many writers. And you know, back back in the day, we all talk about back in the day. You know, the shows seem much more cohesive. Um, now, don't get me wrong; I think the wrestling in the, in the Attitude Era wasn't actually that good um, compared to today. But the the writing and the storylines were much more cohesive. I love the kind of backstage interactions, vignettes. Sometimes, you know, they would even go off off site. They would go to a bar room or uh, the infamous um, 
supermarket brawl with with Stone Cold and Booker T. Yes. When when's the last time One we've seen something like in that? Raw history, by the way. When is the last time they've done something like that? And and guess what? A supermarket brawl is can still be PG rated. You can hit somebody with a box of fruity pebbles, and guess what? It's still PG rated. So I don't I don't I don't understand why they don't get outside of the arena a little more. If this is truly, you know, entertainment, I think that's the one thing that frustrates me the most. Uh, I love wrestling, but if they do a full show of just, okay, one guy leaves the ring, the next guy comes to the ring. It gets, it gets a little boring to me. I need some variety and and I, I wish the writing team would, would add that in there. Well, you know what? That's an excellent segue into the next topic that I want to cover on the show tonight. Uh, the, the, you know, obviously the creative slump continues to what degree, we don't know yet because I still don't have the numbers and the ratings for uh, for Monday night. Uh, I'm sure they're out there somewhere. I just haven't taken the time to look them up. But I can't imagine um, they've been over the moon by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm sure everyone's going to use the Monday night football excuse again, which is fine. The Steelers were on Monday night. And I understand why so many people were watching. But um, should Vince be concerned? Should Mr. McMahon be concerned uh, heading into WrestleMania season now? I mean, it is the middle of October, Kyle. Uh, and the holidays are coming up, and right after that, before you know it, we're going to have Survivor Series, TLC, and boom, it's Royal Rumble. It's coming. Should he be concerned? I mean, the product is stagnant. You've got Brock versus Undertaker at Hell in the Cell coming up on the 25th of October, and I get the feeling that not as many wrestling fans care as they really should because if you say that to the casual wrestling fan, Brock Lesnar versus the Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, they would be like, whoa. I got to see that, but I don't feel like that anticipation really exists right now. Uh, should Vince be concerned? Well, I, I did want to mention that the uh, ratings were uh, 3.28 million viewers. I don't know what that equates to okay. with, with the Nielsen's, but one thing I do see is that it's uh, just like has been happening lately. The show starts off with its highest viewership and each hour the viewership goes down. Now, when we were younger, I, I was I was a nerd. I actually I remember looking at the ratings, you know, when I was younger, even even in high school. And the shows always would peak, and they would peak at the eleven o'clock hour because that was the that was the beef of the show. That was what you waited for. So, how did we go from an era where the ratings went up as the show went on to an era where the ratings go down? I think that's extremely concerning. And it's gotten to the point where WWE even books to make that happen, it seems like. It makes no sense. But um, I see I see a huge problem here. So, so you have Kane, so you have The Undertaker uh, involved in a pay-per-view. Uh, that's pretty historic, I guess you could say, in itself. But it's also a sign of um, something that's not going to be here much longer. Uh, this is probably might be the last one of the last few times that Kane and the Undertaker are, are on the same card. So how do you how do you transition these guys out of the picture and get the new you know the new blood in there? Well, I uh, it, you know it's how do you do it? There are, there are a lot of ways that you can do it. In time um, for WrestleMania, though, that's that's my concern. Well, yeah, so. I mean, I, listen, Taker WrestleMania 32 has to be Taker's last last ride. No pun intended, but you you have to imagine that's going to be it. Not not that I not that I want to see it, but I mean, come on, like it's it's time. This guy made his WWF debut in 1990. He was he was 
mean Mark Callis uh, in, in, in the 80s in WCW. I mean, he's been around forever, and, and you know, his contributions to the business are immeasurable. But uh, at the same time, I mean, you just you get to a point where your body just can't hold up anymore. In regards to Kane, I mean, what have they done with Kane that, that, that they, they haven't done yet? Uh, you know, this, this Jekyll and Hyde deal that they have going on right now uh, is, is probably the last original idea that they could really have for him. My concern is, again, you have all these guys, these incredible athletes and these stars of the future who are chomping at the bit to uh, break through and make WrestleMania very special. And yet the total combined age of two of the veterans, well, let's see, uh, three of the veterans that we have uh, in these matches coming up to headline Hell in the Cell, we have The Undertaker, we have Kane, and we have Brock Lesnar, over 120 years old. Wow. I mean, that is, that's quite the stat, Matt. I mean, what are we talking about here? You know, I mean, what, what, what is it that we're talking about? We, I mean, you want, you want people to tune into your product. And and here's the thing is that people – as far as I can tell, the uh, the next numbers that come out on the WWE Network are going to show that they added more paid subscribers, which is great. They deserve it because the programming on the network right now is fantastic. They just added um, ECW Hardcore TV up through 1998. Uh, the new JBL Legends program is fantastic. Table for three. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly suggest you check it out. That's a great show as well. And then, of course, the bread and butter, the reason why everybody is on the WWE Network. It's not because they can go out there and watch WrestleMania 17 whenever they want to. Not that it's not the best WrestleMania of all time. It's because of NXT. So people are paying $10 a month to watch a program. But they won't tune into a free program in primetime's cable television on Monday nights because that's how bad the show is. Because it's not showcasing the future. Because it's not showcasing the young talent of the company. And it's funny because I talked about this on the show last week. You know, when Vince did Stone Cold's podcast, um, you know, way back, what was it, six months or more ago? Might have been a year ago at this point. And Vince talked about Cesaro. Do you remember this? I do. And he said that Cesaro wasn't connecting with people and perhaps it was because he was Swiss. Do you really think that Vince was believing the things he was saying? Cesaro has been connecting with people. He even connected with Cena. Cena did a live promo to the house after a Raw one night and talked about how he deserved to be pushed. He's connecting with us. We're here. We're ready. He's not getting over in WWE because he got over first. And this is the same problem that so many other talents have dealt with in the past, which is that they got over organically. And so because of that, they're being punished. Or they're the product of bad booking. Or they have to be used as utility guys to help make guys like Big Show look strong, which doesn't make any sense to me. You push Cesaro, then you have th- th- then you set him up to be fed to Big Show so you can make Big Show look strong. Why are you making Big Show look strong? Supposedly, and according to Michael Cole, who repeats it 100 times every Monday night, he's the world's largest athlete. Well, we've <laughs> got to make Big Show look strong for Brock Lesnar. Well, why do you have to make Brock Lesnar look strong? He's the beast incarnate. You don't have to make either of those guys look strong, especially especially at the cost of, once again, taking Cesaro and dragging him down. And that's what you're doing. So you've got all these guys who should be the future of the company 
who have become utility players because of bad booking. And another reason is because of overexposure. Brad Gilmore brought this up on the show last week, and I think he made a great point. There's one thing that no one's talking about other than Brad. Brad brought this up, and he's right. WWE is missing a vital piece of the puzzle that it used to showcase quite a bit, enhancement talent. There's no enhancement talent on the show. The guys who are the future of the company have become the enhancement talent, and that's very, very scary because when the Canes and the Undertakers and the Brock Lesners and the Big Shows and the John Cena's and the Randy Orton's of the world retire, the future of your company is who? All the guys that lost to them over and over and over again. Seth Rollins has lost clean to John Cena on four separate occasions in the last few months. He's also lost clean to... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sheamus on Monday night as well. That So at least five times, Seth Rollins, the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, has lost to guys that either have a lesser title than he has or no title at all. And you continue to tell us that we should take the WWE Championship seriously and that it should carry the same weight. It's very disturbing. You know, I... I sort of agree with you, but I have to say I don't know the enhancement talent would would move the barometer at all. Um, I, I mean, I'm just thinking about Dwayne Gill and, and Barry Harwitz. Um, when these guys were used at, at their most, these were the days that WWE was performing in high schools. Uh, so it didn't, it didn't work then. And once they got rid of the enhancement tal- talent during the Attitude Era, um, you know, the ratings were at the best. So I, I don't see any evidence that enhancement talent would help anything. Well, they now were that, writing differently. I mean, the enhancement talent helped stem the tide of overexposure, which is yeah, yeah. We're, seeing, we're seeing Cena and Rollins on Monday nights when we should only be seeing that at the most twice a year on a pay-per-view or a special event. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, the, it's incredible that we're having these, what should be main event pay-per-view matches taking place on Raw every single week. It's fascinating because people argue that the downfall of W one of one of the key pillars 
for the downfall of WCW, the pillar being knocked over, was the fact that that uh, Nitro had main event pay-per-view quality matches. They were giving them away for free, like the night that Goldberg defeated uh, Hollywood Hogan for the World Heavyweight Championship on Nitro. And uh, and if you go check out that JBL show, uh, Legends, on uh, the network, he asked uh, Eric Bischoff about that, that, that very moment. And Bischoff said that he felt like he had to do that at the time to help move the needle. But WWE's not competing against another wrestling company right now. Their ratings are the lowest that they've been since 1997. So, I mean, it's not that it can get much worse. They should at least try some new ideas. I I agree. I just I, – I think I'm on the same lines as you. I There's nothing more that frustrates me than right before our pay-per-view when we have the same old mixed tag match featuring – two opponents on separate teams, the same mixed tag match that we've had our entire lives watching wrestling. It is so predictable. And I just can't stand that. I love when two guys are going to go against each other that have never actually been in the ring together, even in a tag match. When Brock Lesnar wrestles somebody, he does not um, have a mixed tag, you know, right before the pay-per-view. And, and that's, that's what they do right with Brock. But they do everything wrong with your Seth Rollins and, and your John Cena's of the world. Uh, they, they constantly have them in the ring together. And then when they get to a pay-per-view, it's, it's just not that special. Um, so that's one issue I have. You know, I, I, think, I think another thing, too, is, is they've spent so long catering to children. And, and since they've been catering to children with their product, the ratings just keep on going down. So, I, I mean, if something's not, the definition of insanity is if you keep on doing the same thing over and over again and it doesn't work, Bingo. you're freaking insane. Uh, so how? Do, why do they keep on insisting on catering the children? Now I hear they have a NXT children's show coming out. That's just, it, it's totally ridiculous to me because the, the NXT fans, they're, the reality is they're probably our age. They're probably 30 35-year-olds, 40-year-old guys um, that grew up with the Attitude Era. Well, well so, to, to, to be fair, there's a couple of issues here, um, uh, which I, I partially agree with you and then, I, and then I partially disagree. So I'll start with the side where I disagree. The side where I disagree is like even, even with when I, when I look at reality of wrestling and what, what, we, what we do, we understand that the future fans of reality of wrestling are the bright-eyed and bushy-tailed young men and, and, and girls that, that sit in the front row and admire guys like the Mysterious Q and look up to Gino and 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 Ruthless Ryan Davidson and Alex Reigns and uh, the Pump Patrol and guys like that. These these guys to them are larger than life characters um, because we know that um, if if you if if you have that fan at eight years old, you're going to have that fan at eighteen years old, and that's that that's what's best for business. So I understand why WWE is doing that. At the same time, the median age of a a viewer of Monday Night Raw is forty. So here's the thing. Should they create an NXT kids show? Yes. Should they gear Monday Night Raw towards a child's audience? No. That's where I have the issue is if you want to put Cena and Sheamus, who I still don't buy as a heel because he looks absolutely ridiculous, um, he should be a face all the time in the way Cena should be a face all the time. 
um, so that you can appeal to that demographic. But that demographic's there for the live house. I don't believe for a minute that there are children all over America clamoring to watch Monday Night Raw late into the 11 o'clock hour. That, I, mean, I, just, I just don't believe that's happening. If there, if there are young viewers who are watching it, those are the young viewers who were you and I, Kyle, when we were growing up, when we were in, in, in middle school, junior high, and high school. And we would come into class the next morning, and we would talk about what DX did last night. Oh, DX went down to Atlanta or invaded or even, you know, I remember walking around the hallways um, – uh, after Miss Dowd's computer class, if we remember that, and everyone was talking about uh, the the Montreal screw job and what happened to Bret Hart. I mean, those are the ages. 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. Those are the ages where if you want to appeal to a younger audience, appeal to that. Tap into that. Because then you've still got a fan base that you're going to carry with you for the next 10 or 20 years in the way WWE, then WWF did it to us. But if you're gearing a show aimed at an eight-year-old on Monday nights while your median age of your audience is 40, that is a fundamentally flawed strategy in television production. Yeah, I think the solution, this is, I mean, if I were at the reins, which I never will be, obviously, um, I would make it a TV 14 show, but I would dial down the Attitude Era sexual content and have it be a little more just a little more uh, of a sport, kind of like a UFC style presentation, but make it a TV 14 where it's okay to say ass as many times as you want. Uh, you don't, you know, not, not be on a limit or anything like that. And, and I think you could appeal down to maybe your, you know, 11 to 12 year olds, uh, kind of who we were in middle school. Cause that's what I remember about it. At times it was a little, you know, if I were watching, wrestling and my family were in the room maybe i would turn the channel if i knew uh sean michaels was gonna moon somebody or something like that you know and i think that created the allure that it was edgy and that that kind of young you know those younger males oh, wanted man, to watch I remember the show how livid my father was when kai and ty uh kidnapped and castrated val venus yeah i mean that was definitely one of those moments that i would have <laughs> probably turn the channel, but, but that made me kind of want to watch it more because I didn't know what was going to happen next. So, you know, I think you could have shows like superstars or main event or whatever, just have them be PG, you know, none of the racy storylines, but raw raw's main purpose. I, I believe when it first came out was to be uncut and uncensored. That's how they, they advertised it. I think that's and, how they settled on the name raw. And, and then, it kind of, it might've got, I, I don't know. Maybe it was a little edgy throughout like 93 through 96. I don't really remember, but once 97 rolled around, they kind of had that really uh, different, different kind of theme music. It was like heavy grunge rock and, you know, buildings exploding and uh, psycho Sid and Bret Hart and whoever Ahmed Johnson kind of standing in this factory uh, where things are blowing up. Yeah. And so maybe the solution is maybe you have uh, your 8 to 9 p.m. hour be a little bit more, I guess you could say PG, and then almost create it, create like a, a gimmick that, yeah, our, our 10 to or our 9 to 11 o'clock hour is more edgy. So, you know, they could kind of almost give warnings to families like, hey, you might want to put your kids to bed. You know, it's it's our more edgier hour maybe that's a solution that they could cater to both parties and create a little more attention for those those later hours 
Uh, but I would definitely go to the TV 14. I mean, I mean, there's so many shows out there that are TV 14. I, I believe that even the Big Bang Theory is TV 14. I mean, come on. It's, it's a show that everybody watches. I don't know why WWE is so against going back to TV 14. Well, you know, I mean, I understand their concerns regarding, you know, being a publicly traded company and all that. But, but the thing about it is, is, you know, and I, I know that the, their future um, rests almost solely in the hands of the success of the WWE Network because so much has been committed to it. But at the same time, I mean, Monday Night Raw exists in a three-hour format primarily because of the commitments that WWE has made to the USA Network to actually have that be the case. So um, at some point, you have to make that show something that is entertaining and compelling and that can not only draw a decent rating but hold that rating over the course of those three hours. And that's the thing that they've got to figure out. And uh, to me, it's a scary proposition right now because you know reports came out weeks ago that Vince McMahon was panicked regarding the rating. Now, I don't know whether those reports are true or not because, you know, you can't believe everything you read on the dirt sheets. But um, I think Mike Meltzer had reported it as well, and, and he's he's pretty much spot on with, with a lot of, uh, of the reporting that, that he does regarding the industry. So with, with that being said, I have to believe that there's some validity to it. Um, the response has been what? I mean, here's the thing. I give uh, WWE a lot of credit for pushing New Day, and I think New Day is entertaining. But at the end of the day, New Day is a comedic act only. Um, they're not heels. They're, they're presented as if they're heels, but they're a comedic act. Uh, and that's really what the show has become. The show has become a, a, a whitewashed uh, sitcom in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and I just, you know, with, with some wrestling in there every once in a while. And that is just not going to get the job done. That is not going to draw eyeballs to the product. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a huge New Day guy. I, I get that a lot of people love them. But, you know, in the ring, I've seen, you know, I've seen Big E. I've seen Kofi Kingston. Uh, I don't really know a lot about Xavier Woods and his ring style. It's, it's nothing fantastic. So, you know, at some point their, their gig is going to get old. And, and then what do you do at that point? Um, they can't just keep on doing this same, same gimmick for, for years and years. I don't think, uh, secondly, I, I did want to pose a question to you. Yeah. Uh, cause I know you are in the industry and, and this is something that I've, I've been wondering, um, based on your experiences, do we ever see WWE bring back, um, blading? Do we ever see that happen, or is that never, ever going to come back? I, I don't see a scenario in which that will ever be the case again, um, uh, certainly not from a publicly traded company, um, certainly not from a company that has evolved to taking concussion testing more seriously than the NFL does, um, which is uh, you know the case. They, they do. Um, uh, not from a company that, you know, and despite what CM Punk may or may not say, I mean, it's been pretty much proven at this point, just about everything that's coming out of his mouth regarding WWE is bullshit. And I know that's going to upset some of the, uh, the, uh, the internet wrestling fans when I say that, but I mean, just, he's said a lot of stuff, especially on Cabana's podcast last year, which has been proven to not be true. Um, but I think you should get it, get in the ring with Punk. I think you too. You know, I, I think his physical condition, you could probably take him that. Well, I mean, at this point, we both have dad bods. 
you know, so um, and, and I don't know if he's still training or not for for UFC. You know, that, and you have a few pounds on him, so you know, I think you could use that to your advantage. Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to have an unfair advantage with CM Punk, but on my other podcast, I have challenged him to some dumbass trivia and see if he could come on and just answer a few simple questions that are not hockey related and see how he would do. Um, but here, anyway, what I would basically say is we're not going to see blading anymore. Um, the product has evolved to a point where. Uh, they are going to stay away from things like that because they've got to think about sponsors, um, which, you know, especially these corporate sponsors, which are the lifeblood of the product going forward. For as much, and let me be, let me be um, clear about all, something. For as much as, as I am critical and, you know, some of the guests of mine have been critical and, and, and all that about WWE's product on Monday nights, overall, the company has run extremely well. Uh, I mean, <laughs> First of all, they took they took professional wrestling and made it into a publicly traded company. That in itself is unfreaking believable. So a lot of credit uh, is due to Vince McMahon for pulling that off because that's that's um, one hell of a feat. Secondly, the WWE Network has some excellent content on it, and at ten dollars a month, it's a steal because there are better things to watch on there than there are on Netflix right now. Like I saw this person the other day on Facebook posting the new Netflix shows that were coming on starting October 1st. And she's like, I can't wait to binge watch. And I was like, binge watch what? I mean, these, these shows are awful. Um, so, uh, so I give him credit for that as well. I think WWE is doing a lot uh, of things very well, but they've got to get their cable programming in order. And it starts with Monday night, which is their flagship show. Yeah, I, I was just going to reiterate what you said about the network. I mean, Table for Three, I actually make it a point to watch that every week. I, I love that show. Uh, it's really, it's it's pretty real. I mean, yeah, they still do use their ring names when they talk to each other, but occasionally they don't. I mean, I, I think Kevin called, uh, called Cesaro Claudio in one of them, which I thought was a really interesting moment. Um, you know, I... I think that's cool. I, I don't know why he couldn't have been maybe Claudio Cesaro. That seems like it would have been a cool name, but I guess you can't use a first and last name if it's too long. Um, I, I don't know who made that rule up, but um, I thought it was really cool to hear them talking about road stories. And I think the one about, I forgot the one story. It was somebody joked about having to take Viagra to impress Brock Lesnar. I thought that was hilarious. Like, like you really get to feel like you're in the locker room uh, with these guys. And, and that's, that's yeah. the side of the business that, that, that I've personally never seen. So um, I think, I think WWE is kind of always like this, you know, they, they might not have a very good build to a pay-per-view, but all of a sudden some, whoever puts their videos together is pretty darn good uh, at what they do. And then they put the video packages together and maybe, you know, the pay-per-view is much better than we expected. So there's a lot of redeeming qualities. I just, you know, I just miss the days when Monday Night Raw actually mattered. And I, I hope we can get back to that at some point. But it just seems like the same dry formula. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's going to take somebody and maybe not even Triple H to come in there and... and get on Vince's good side and, and really mix things up. So maybe like the, the anti Vince Russo, some sort of a uh, white angel in, in, you know, with a halo on his head, that's not Vince Russo comes yeah. in well, they've and got, re 
they've restores got, WWE to its its once greatness. Yeah, they've got a guy there right now who's actually employed by them who could do it. His name's Paul Heyman, but uh, you know, not not yes, not, that, not, that, not, that, not that he never made SmackDown a major player or anything. Um, this is true. He he does have definitely the resume. But uh, you know, I mean, that's that's neither here nor there. You know, we talk about Raw. One last topic I want to cover on the show before we wrap tonight. Uh, the Stone Cold Podcast with Brock Lesnar scheduled to be coming up this Monday. A lot of rumors and inconsistency exist regarding Stone Cold's involvement with Monday Night Raw in any way. It's interesting because Austin has gone on the record saying that he will not be appearing live at Monday Night Raw along with some of the other legends which have been announced, including Shawn Michaels, since it will be emanating from Dallas, the home city of WrestleMania 32 this year. Um, what do you say about all this? Because, uh, you know, Stone Cold continues to say that he will not be a part of Monday Night Raw. WWE continues to advertise him to be on the show along with Shawn Michaels, Brock Lesnar, Ric Flair, and The Undertaker. Um, and it just seems like over the last couple of months, there's been this fascinating disconnect between Stone Cold and WWE on a number of key issues. There were rumors floating around that they had heat with each other at one period of time or another. Um, there was even that fascinating exchange, which I'm sure was kayfabe, between Paul Heyman and Austin on his podcast when they talked about Brock Lesnar. And I thought it was interesting because why would they tease a match like that that's never going to happen when Austin's gone on the record and said he his career is done and his last match was WrestleMania 19 versus The Rock? What do you think about Stone Cold, man? What do you... Um, what do you think about his relationship with WWE? You know, it seems like it's a little contentious at, at times, um, but usually he, he comes back around. I think he needs WWE, and WWE needs him. Um, that being said, I don't know whether or not this podcast is going to happen. I hope it does. I think it'll be amazing. It'll be huge, um, just like anything with Donald Trump is huge. But... Um, you know, I, I think I think there's some people out there that are just kidding themselves. Uh, I, I have to go back to what happened to Sting at it was Night of Champions, right? Yeah, yeah. Night of Champions. Yeah. I mean, I mean, forget the fact that Sting, his hairstyle is absolutely atrocious. I mean, get a buzz cut, <laughs> whatever. Change, you know, just change it up. Your hair looks awful. You know, it, it's it's like half a, a head of Donald Trump hair all on the back of his head looks terrible. And then his, you know, his face paint gets all over the place. He looks awful, but that's a, a, another, another wow. conversation. Wow. And then, you know, and then he on the pro wrestling index. Uh, I, I honestly, I honestly wish he just wouldn't have even finished that match. Um, I hate when they, you know, do a quick finish because somebody's injured. It's stupid. Uh, it really insults the intelligence, but here's where I'm going with this. You look at what happened to sting. Uh, in that match, and then you look at Austin. He's a guy that's been sitting on the sidelines for how many years? 12, 13? I, I don't know how long. Maybe well, 15 last years. last match was WrestleMania 19, so let's do the math here. It's been uh, it's been 13 years. It'll be 13, be 13 years this spring since he's wrestled a match in WWE. To be honest with you, his career pretty much ended uh, when when Owen Hart spiked him on his head. And that's the last time he was actually probably able to move around the ring pretty good. So I don't know why people just want to see this match so much. Um, it would be absolutely ridiculous. 
Brock would clearly have to scale back to try to not injure Austin. Austin, I mean, maybe he could get his, you know, maybe he could get a six pack again. You know, maybe he can take some stimulants and make himself look all jacked and all that. Um, you know, I mean, look at Sylvester Stallone. He he pulled it off in his sixties for for his last Rocky movie, but that doesn't well, mean that the Rocky guy movie is how didn't have a wellness policy though. Yes, so. I mean, I mean, give Austin some HGH. It's not going to help. It doesn't help you with agility and and quickness and you know being able to do well, some of the be, things. I mean, to be fair though, I mean, he had some great matches after after he recovered from the Owen incident. I think it was a contributing factor into shortening his career, but yeah. um, so were were two bad knees as well. Right, and 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 that's just my point. I don't know why people want to see this match so much. It, it would either be terrible or it would end in a tragedy, and. And I don't think anybody wants to see that at uh, at AT and T Stadium. So people need to get over it. I think we should be pulling for a Brock versus somebody who's actually healthy match. And I, I just don't want to see Austin again. You know, it was actually suggested on this podcast last week, and I can't remember if it was if it was Mo Chatra or Brad that brought it up. I think it was Mo um, of having a. Um, Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman match. What do you think about that? Well, Braun Strowman, Matt. You forgot the R. Oh, yes. I, I, I love how mysteriously his name just had an, added an R to it. Like, who the hell comes up with this stuff? I, I, he, I don't know. Well, he was Braun Strowman, though, right? He was Braun Strowman, now absolutely. Braun Strowman. And, and the announcers even ma- mess it up and sometimes. Interestingly <laughs> enough, I just found out he got engaged to Lana, too. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's, wow. it's it's it, how does I just come on? How do you go from being a Russian sympathizer that gets given a medal, a, a medal of whatever the hell by Vladimir Putin, in the heat of the next Cold War, and you pull it away from him and you take all his heat from him? The guy was a, the guy was 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 right at the main event. He was right at the main event, ready to go. You had a legit, real heel on your hands. And you pull the rug from out from under him. Just so many things that they have been doing recently do not make any damn sense to me at all. He's a guy that, if he was Bill Wright, could have squared off with Brock Lesnar. They probably would have a great match together. Yeah, They're both still relatively agile. They're, they're big Rusev, guys. Yeah, I think Rusev is a great worker. I do. Yes. Um, I don't even know what we were talking about. I, I'm just... Well, we're, I'm talking, just, we're talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, I agree with you. I don't think that there's... Um, you know, in in the words of Vince McMahon, there's not a chance in hell that this match is going to happen because, uh, and I know they'll probably tease it again on the podcast, but the bottom line is this. Sting, who is in his 50s, worked a match against Seth Rollins, okay? Sting almost had a career-ending injury as a result of that matchup. And, when, and Brock Lesnar works considerably stiffer than Sting does, or uh, that, that Seth Rollins does. Stone Cold Steve Austin is 50 years old. He will be 51 on December the 18th. It's not going to happen. It's This match is not happening under any circumstance at all. If, 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 if Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestles at WrestleMania 32, I will quit this podcast. It's not happening. It's not happening. So, and if it does happen, it's a mistake. That's that's all I'm saying. It, well, I mean, it, it I will not be a good match. There's no reason for Austin to do it. There's no reason for Austin to do it. I mean, 
unless they offer him this outrageous sum of money, and, 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 and it's got to be an outrageous seven-figure deal to work one match, he's not going to do it. Now, the fascinating part about all this is, is they've got to figure out a way to sell out AT&T Stadium. And as much as I love WWE, because if, I, if, if we didn't, we wouldn't be sitting here for an hour talking about it, obviously. As much as we love it, we both, we both know that it's damn hard to sell 100,000 tickets for an event, even for WrestleMania. They didn't sell out Levi Stadium last year uh, in, uh, outside of San Francisco, whatever they want to say. There are empty seats, man. Um, I think there may have been a few thousand empty seats, and, and some of those seats may have been papered. So uh, they need some major attractions to fill the house. They need, interestingly enough, The Rock has been put back on WWE.com's active roster. I saw they made that move, so I think we're going to see The Rock here again in the not-too-distant future, and he will be involved in some way, shape, or form uh, with WrestleMania. I know what Dana White has said, but at the end of the day, he's never going to tell Ronda Rousey to get out because he needs her. I think Ronda Rousey works Stephanie McMahon at WrestleMania 32. I think we're going to see that. I, I don't know. That is that is a bold prediction, Matt. It is a bold you, prediction, but I you, you heard what Dana White said. You heard what Dana White said. I heard what and he I said. Don't, and Dana I don't White, think... And, you know what else Dana White said? Dana White said he was going to have a show in December in Dallas at AT&T Stadium, and that didn't happen because sure. Dana White blows hot air half the time. I mean, I love I UFC, but it's just a fact. He would say something that's not true or that he would be in on it. That that would be hard to, hard to believe, but I... Uh, and before you um, finish what you're going to say, I have the solution, Matt. I know what would fill up that stadium. Are you ready? I'm ready. For what, what would do it? What do you got? I think you have a feud between Vince McMahon and Jerry Jones. That would do it, Matt. Jerry Jones versus Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 32. You heard it right here. On the pro wrestling index, well, they would work a match together, or would it be a, a Bobby Lashley situation? You know, I, I would prefer to see them in a match together, but uh, you know, maybe they would do a kind of Donald Trump type of deal, something like that. But I think that's how you do it. You you maybe integrate, maybe you get Tony Romo in, into something. You know, maybe Tony Romo <laughs> uh, works. You know, maybe he's like a Stephen Amell kind of guy. You know, uh, does a couple. You know, athletic moves. Although, although Tony Romo would probably injure his shoulder again. I want again, to see so. a battle of the billionaires over the top battle royal featuring Donald Trump, Jerry Jones, Vince McMahon, T Boone Pickens, and Ross Perot. If I can get that, I'm ready to go. Yeah, and maybe you know, maybe you get Donald Trump at, at WrestleMania 32. I mean, this guy's willing to go anywhere, right? Yeah. So maybe he's still in the in the election. Bring Donald Trump in too. Um, so I think, you know, you could do enough kind of sideshow type of stuff uh, to, to add a lot of interest to the mainstream crowd. Who works yeah. who, who works Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? Like in all in all seriousness, with all the sideshows, oh, you've got to have compelling matches. Now, the rumor has it that it's going to be The Rock versus Triple H, um, which I'm kind of confused about because I thought for sure we were heading for Rock, uh, Seth Rollins and, and uh, Seth yeah. Rollins face turn. But. Um, you know, Rock, I think Rock Brock would be monstrous. I really, uh, yeah. My concern though is, is I didn't, I felt like the rock was very, uh, out of shape the last time he went against John Cena. Now I don't mean muscularity. Obviously he's jacked, 
but those guys were really winded in that match and it, it actually wasn't very good. So, you know, I, I, I actually wouldn't want to see. Which one are you talking about? His second um, match with Cena or his first match? Both of them weren't very good. I would say the second one was even worse though. Okay. Um, so I don't, I don't want to see rock versus Brock. I think Brock has, has to, uh, you know, have some closure with Seth Rollins or, or Roman Reigns. Uh, it really depends how hot Roman Reigns is come WrestleMania time. Uh, if he's kind of in the upper, you know, upper, upper mid card, I don't know if you can do that match, but Seth Rollins, he's there. You know, he's the number two guy right now. He's on ESPN. He's everywhere. You know, he was on John Stewart's show. Um, he's kind of like the second face of the company. So I think you, you have to go, you know, Brock versus Rollins. They have unfinished business and, you know, you know, you can do rock versus triple H. I don't think it's going to be the greatest match in the world, but it, it's an attraction as, as you know, Vince would allegedly say. Real quick before we get out of here and wrap up this show. And it has been a great show. And thank you again for joining me, my friend and catching. Hey, I'm, I'm just pinch hitting for, for, you know, some of your other, other co-hosts like uh, Brad and, and Mo, I am just pinch hitting. So if anybody out there thought this was the worst podcast ever, it, it's mainly on me. Well, listen, I mean, hate tweets are always welcome. But no, I've had a great time. I think we've had a good conversation. Real quick, let me let me get your thoughts on this before we uh, we wrap up. All right. I'm your ready. Your predictions for Hell in the Cell. Do you think Brock Lesnar comes out victorious? Do you think Taker wins the series? Oh, How wow. do you think this thing is going to go down? I, I think there's a chance this could be Taker's last match, depending on how stiff this match has worked. Yeah, this is so tough. Um, I didn't think Taker was going to win the last match. Um, you know, if it's w, if it's the traditional WWE booking that I'm expecting, then, then Undertaker wins. If it's booking that's slightly different, that, that looks towards the future. And, and even though Brock is old, he's still kind of the future, you know, then, then you put Brock over. I, I'm going to say there is a 55% chance that Brock Lesnar wins 45% chance. The undertaker wins. And, and the only reason I give the undertaker so much of a chance is because this is Halloween season. It's hell in the cell. And the undertaker is, uh, you know, a product of the underground. So I think it's possible that Vince puts taker over just because it's Halloween season. I know that sounds really ridiculous, but, uh, <laughs> but hey, baby, listen, we're talking about WWE booking here. So, I mean, who, who can really tell? I think this match would be much better if uh, it was a chamber of horrors match and the ring announcer was Gary Michael Capetta, but, uh, you know, a boy can dream. Uh, Hey, listen, uh, you have anything to plug? I mean, do you, 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 do you want, <laughs> is there anything you want, you want our, especially our UK listeners to know about Kyle Pheasant? Or no. You know, I, I don't really have anything to plug. Um, I, I do I do have a social media account that regularly just trolls everybody. Oh, yeah. Would you like to? And would you, are you are you saying that you'd like to pull a Tony Stark and reveal your identity? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, you know, take back the curtains here and let you all know that you can follow uh, my my Twitter persona at El Chipotle Real. Whoa, so that's. El Chipotle and then the word real. So El Chipotle Real, and 
maybe you'll find it entertaining. I rarely am very serious on there. I, I attack anybody and everybody. Uh, so please add me, check it out and enjoy yourself. Oh man. Well, I, I, I like that. Um, definitely. I just, I recently followed the account myself and I haven't been disappointed. So, uh, well, listen, a couple of shameless plugs from myself. Make sure you check out Reality of Wrestling at realityofwrestling.com. We have a lot of big things coming up. We just wrapped a live television taping last weekend, and we are on the road for the next few weeks in Texas. We have a live event this Saturday night in Spring, Texas at the Klein ISD Multipurpose Center. Tickets are available now at the website realityofwrestling.com. We are back in Nacogdoches, Texas on October the 30th, the night before Halloween, and I'm sure there'll be some tricks and treats as well. You can get tickets at realityofwrestling.com for that show as well. And the other thing is if you order your tickets in advance, you save $1.50 off the ticket at the door. So for all of my friends in Texas, make sure you join the Reality of Wrestling for that. And then we're back in Clear Lake, Texas at the Clear Lake Sports and Recreation Complex on November the 14th. And it is rumored that that could be our final appearance in Clear Lake before the grand opening of the Reality of Wrestling Global Headquarters in Texas City. More details coming out on that soon. You can follow me on Matt Topolsky, at Matt Topolsky, rather, on Twitter, and check out everything that I'm doing at MattTopolsky.com. So that's pretty much it for this week on the Pro Wrestling Index. Mo Chatra will be back with me next week, and we will be discussing... Hell in the Cell and our full predictions will cover it all on the show. Thanks to everybody for listening to the program on the Anfield Index Podcast Network. Thanks to Gags once again and as always for the opportunity. And if you have a smartphone and Apple device, make sure you download the Anfield Index Podcast app. It is a fantastic app filled not only with great podcasts and content updated daily, but tremendous articles as well for fans of the beautiful game and specifically our club, Liverpool Football Club. We're back next week with more of PWI. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.